Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Today is Thursday, May 7th. Joining us on the show, Pete Fletcher. How you doing, buddy? Booyah! Good morning. <laughs> morning, Pete. Glad to have you, man. Morning, gents. Uh, it's way too early for this. I know, right? We're getting used to it. My kids get up at 6.20 every day, actually. So this is, I'm like second cup of coffee already. I'm just chugging along. <laughs> for all the wonderful listeners out there, Pete is an hour ahead of us. <laughs> uh, way to call me out. <laughs> I'm already off my game because you used my own sound clip against me. <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> right out of the yeah, gate. Grandma. <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> and uh, Pete doesn't really need much of an introduction, but um, I know him from a number of different things. One of the things he's probably most known for is the Virtually Speaking podcast. And John Nicholson Ooh. just told us, y'all are about to hit a million downloads? Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting closer. That's for sure. It's, it's, uh, wow. Yeah, it's, is there it's a gold happening. podcast record or something? Is there a gold, you know, play button? How does that work? It needs one. You got to make it. Bravo, yeah. dude. That's fantastic. That's Thanks, incredible. Man. I listen. It's uh, we talk about VMware. That's that's the drive, right? People love to listen about VMware. So it's a it's a pretty big ecosystem. So, so we'll get straight into the uh, straight into the tech news. Uh, and also, actually, today joining us is our uh, esports field correspondent, Russ Cantwell. So we're so happy to have him as well. He's got a story so, for us. We'll get to in a little bit. But it turns out extortion is legal in the United States. I don't know if any of y'all have a smart home uh, device by Wink. I saw that in order to continue to use your devices in your house, you have to start paying a four ninety nine monthly subscription. What? Otherwise, the oh, devices oh, just like stop out working. Out of nowhere, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Pay up, or they won't work. That's not that. cool. That's a. It's a great way to anger all of the nerds, and then probably make a lot of money. To be honest, I, I think everybody gets really bristly about stuff like that. I I for sure do, and I'm probably aggressive enough to go collect wing things, which I don't think I own, and uh, literally throw them in the trash for for a move like that. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think most people will. So, uh, yeah, they, they may sound evil, be evil, but apparently they're going to make a lot of money. I guess it just depends on how integrated you are into that ecosystem. Because I don't know anything about Wink. I mean, I don't yeah, know if someone, yeah, I just don't know if you're, if you have them all over your house and there's no way to swap them out. But I feel like for a lot of people who are going pretty deep into, you know, I don't know, IOT devices or home automation or whatever it is that they do, they might be willing to swap them out if this is type of move that's going on because i don't think your average person has a significant amount of that stuff yeah and i, I wonder if it's, it's a uh i wonder if it's kind of a last ditch effort to uh to stay in business you know uh, yeah i i you got to assume right because if you've got sort of a groundswell following and you've been offering uh the support right for free what whatever that actually ends up being because we all know the more devices you have the more people you have in the back end whether it's a literal support calls or just updating the firmwares and stuff like that yeah um there, there's a burden there so unless you're selling more devices constantly and i mean it's probably pretty telling that most of us are like wink i've heard of that but what what exactly do they do? They, they probably don't have millions of users buying new devices constantly. So they have to find a new revenue stream. What's their connection to, to Nest, right? Because I'm familiar with Nest, obviously. I, don't, I think they have their own thermostat or thermostats, or maybe they, they publish compatibilities um, yeah. with all of those things. Like I'll bet they've got their own little app. Actually, I just went to their site to go see what it was. Yeah, I'll, I think bet, I'll bet they've into... got their own app. They probably have a hub. 
and they play nice with uh, certain devices, you know, whether it's Z-Wave or one of the other um, standards. But yeah, it looks to me like they're more into home security and lights and stuff like that. Mm. Not so much uh, thermostat stuff. I mean, the headline here this is today. pretty aggressive. It says <laughs> Wink home users have one week to subscribe or be shut off. <laughs> wow. I was about to say that. <laughs> it is an aggressive. Like I'm at your door with a baseball bat. <laughs> right. This shuts off on May 13th. Pay up. Pay second. up. <laughs> so I just saw a screen capture of Wink of their interface on the phone. It's got lights, garage doors, um, yeah. security, but also thermometers or you know uh, thermosets. Well, and they play nice with uh, Philips Hue stuff too. So they they must have a hub or an app that that touches other other standards. I'm guessing. You know, I I think companies like that. Un- unfortunately, because I love the competition, are going to have trouble with uh, Google and Amazon being as aggressively in the market as they are. Yeah. Um, I think lots of little devices, they honestly, both of those giants are just able to drive the price down of a, a smart switch. And they, they're not the best in my experience at all. Like Amazon smart switches have just these little issues that are so incredibly irritating that you can't use them for something like a refrigerator because you would lose all your food once a month. But uh, but they're gonna win because they can they can shave you know five dollars off the price every time. I'm with you, Tyler. If if I was a Wink customer and I saw this, I literally would film. I may, might even do like a, a live uh, stream of me smashing their devices in front of my house. <laughs> <laughs> and we so me too because I, I can imagine like being a business owner and and building this brand from the ground up and being so excited about where it's going. And then you're trying to save your business and people are like literally burning your stuff in effigy. It's like, <laughs> no, no, we still love you. We just had to do this. But, but I, I don't know, maybe they went about this wrong because it does feel like somebody is at your door with a baseball bat. If you have one week to like, just pay up or give yeah, up yeah. on the or whole just platform. Lose Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, it's a, there, there's a no-win scenario for owners that are like that for these, these smaller companies and startups. So like, if you guys are familiar with Eero, the, the Wi-Fi mesh companies, yeah. like I have Eero. I have four Eero access points in my house, and I absolutely love them. Like I replaced you. Yeah, they're great. They, they kind of started the whole Wi-Fi mesh thing. Well, they come out with a product. It's $500. That's obviously a lot of money for most people to put onto a Wi-Fi system in their right. home. So Google's like, hey, man, we'll make something that's about 80% of what you got for 300 bucks. How about yep. that? And then, lo and behold, Eero can't keep up with that. So no, Amazon suffering. swoops in and buys them. And now people hate Eero for being owned by Amazon. But it falls into the same thing. It's like, like I'm the person who might actually throw away a Wink device and go replace it, right? Uh, other than I'm very frugal. So I think I'd just be angry. And if I could make it last <laughs> without support, I'd do that first, right? But um like let's get real you would probably take it apart and turn it into some sort of little machine yeah (laughs) he would turn it into an hero he would turn it into an (laughs) there you go (laughs) (laughs) i already have devices talking to each other why can't they service me internet all right what Um, else are y'all looking at what other news you got see i I got one uh so uh this week uh it's a yeah, first time ever the Supreme Court uh, decided to uh, you know air their their are you know their court hearings in uh, on using uh, you know teleconference, which nice. is cool. So, yeah, the very first uh, the very first case that they saw on Tuesday was um, what was it? It was Patent and Trademark Office versus Booking.com. <laughs> Booking.com was trying to you know they're trying to fight the argument that their name is is they want to trademark Booking.com and yeah so. <laughs> 
Ooh. That was interesting, and it was the first time. But I, the part I found interesting was that uh, they're doing their first teleconference in the Supreme Court, and of course they have the typical, you know, uh, Saturday uh, SNL type mistakes where people are like, That's "Is awesome. this thing on? Or, yeah. or is this working?" Where's, people where's the link muted. to that YouTube video where the you know like the conference call problems, but in real life, you know, you got the guy standing outside the door, then all of a sudden he's in his seat outside the door. In his seat. <laughs> oh, Tyler, Tyler, it's, it goes even better. So Wednesday they had a case and one of the, they, they can't say who it was, but while the lawyer was presenting his arguments, you hear a flush, a toilet flush. <laughs> I, I was waiting for that. <laughs> exactly. Oh, does, it, does it say which platform they went with? Did they go with oh, Zoom? Did they go with Teams? Did they it, go it wasn't with video. It was, just tele, it was just teleconference, so who's oh, to say? Oh, yeah. There you go. But they didn't publish it. They weren't like, we're using Zoom audio conferencing. No, but they did play I've the recording. I did hear the recording of, of the flush, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. Those uh, growing pains, right? That's I saw totally a tweet right. this morning from Joe Rogan. I'm sure y'all all know who Joe Rogan is. I've heard I think of him. He's number one podcaster in the world. Number two. Uh, he and, except for so, what? Vir- oh, except for virtually speaking. Yeah, virtually okay. speaking. <laughs> except for virtually speaking. Okay, there it is. Uh, so Elon is joining him again for round two it looks like it drops tomorrow morning 9 a.m pacific time so if you're into that if uh, you enjoyed that last conversation and all the memes that came out of that uh get your get your meme minds ready elon is a walking meme yeah, for sure so true he's a meme generator everything he does and the way he does it is just meant for memifying hey. i'm hoping we get a pronunciation of their child's name on the podcast, <laughs> I, I'm I'm assuming Joe gets it out of him. Uh, can you try to do it? Because I don't know. I don't know the backstory behind this. I don't know what the name is. Now you I'm didn't listen home. to the episode Russ yesterday. Just outs himself as not a listener. His, that, na- that his hurts, name is Russ. X, and then AI, and then AE12. Oh my goodness! So I don't. I guess it's XAI AE12. That's how you pronounce it. Okay, then. So he actually anyway. Is a maybe he'll go by X. <laughs> we'll see. Profoundly dumbfounded. <laughs> there it is. Yes. Yes. Perfect injection. <laughs> All right, what else? Uh, let's um, see. I've got a good uh, astronomy one today. Uh, uh, astronomers found the closest known black hole to Earth uh, accidentally recently by um, tracking and studying a binary star system. So that's two stars that orbit a common center of mass, right? And um, it's only about a thousand light years away. And the, the measured from those orbits, it's probably about four times the mass of our sun in a seven and a half mile radius. So that feels like I, a I small love, black hole. Is that small? Uh, I think it is. Holes? Yeah, no, it, it, it is. Uh, I mean, seven and a half miles. Think about how tiny that is. But um, I don't I, I forget because I'm always blown away by well, they're how super much dense. Mass. Right. Right. When you talk about always, it only being four times the mass of our sun, our sun is not that small. massive when you compare no, it to. Course. Some of the larger ones are, are billions, yeah. I think, times the, the size of the sun. In fact, I'd probably have to look it back up, and maybe I can do that before the show's over. But um, like the black hole that's at the center of the Milky Way galaxy is just huge yeah. by comparison. So, yeah, I think that's pretty small. Still cool. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's also funny that a thousand light years away is close. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's something... It just that's four times the mass of our sun can fit in a seven and a half mile radius because i can <laughs> right. imagine a seven and a half mile radius this is i can wrap my head around that yeah scale. right but not if it's as heavy as four of our suns <laughs> <laughs> as massive not massive. as heavy this as massive cool. oh look at him russ hit us hit us with your esports 
Okay, so the obviously esports right now has just a huge opportunity in front of it, right? Um, being that people can't go see live sporting events and things like that, so they've moved a lot of events online. So we're seeing a lot of growth in viewership. That's probably obvious, but I think to kind of underscore the the comparison to traditional sports that we get, everyone knows that sports has a lot of betting in it, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big aspect Plenty. of traditional sports. It actually attributes to a lot of the growth. Mm-hmm. Well, five men in Australia have been charged with match fixing in esports and are subject That's to great. 10 years in prison. Yo, wow. 10 years? Yes. For match so fixing how a video game? Doing it? So that's, see, that's exactly it, right, oh. Aaron? Like, that's the match fixing in a video game. I know, like, I know. Stuff uh, has been going on, and it's yeah. very serious. Like, this was an investigation that took place over the course of time, like the local authorities were involved. These kids are like 20 to 27 years old and they're in, they're in some pretty deep stuff right here. And so we're we're seeing a lot of, and and there's a lot of this, like illegal bets, match fixing, doping is like the dark side of esports. Yes. People are tested for things like Adderall and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So it's still performance enhancement. Absolutely. So this, this stuff goes on. It's not, when you think of cheating in esports, it's not just someone using a program to hack. I mean, it's yeah. yeah, It's clicks per second. (laughs) It's, it's all about those clicks per second. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, the match fixing is real. The betting is real. There's esports betting out there. Um, it just honestly adds to the legitimacy of it. In fact, Mark Cuban said that, you know, he wouldn't invest into a, like an esports team necessarily, but he does invest in esports betting sites. He actually has he has some uh, about five or six years ago, I think he invested in one of the esports betting sites. So that was, you know, some of the bigger investors are getting behind it. So I think yeah, the more we see that, the more it yeah. ironically legitimizes oh for sure the the sport. Uh, well, if and people any, are getting in big trouble for it. Yeah, it's a lot of the big investors, big enough and- not just some. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Anything that's big enough for people to start fixing the betting for is uh, obviously yeah. a, a significant income stream for a lot of people, right? Well, it's you know it's funny. There's so in Counter Strike, the game I play a lot, you can actually kind of buy and trade skins for your different items in the game. And there was a there was a team called iBuyPower, which is like a, a sponsor from a custom computer manufacturer that they they fixed their own match. And and di- and did that for betting skins. So just a couple skins in the game. I mean, this these can be thousands of dollars worth, but they did that, and they were banned from Counter Strike for life. From do you want to share with our share with our listeners what a skin is? Yeah, so a skin is literally just a, a different like paint job on your gun. Um, so your gun might be blue one game, and then you switch your skin, and it's it's red the next, right? So yeah, it's a, a very intricate. So one. you can make, make your gun red time. for a thousand dollars in a in, in so a here's the game, thing. Say it. <laughs> Why does anything have value? Rarity. Oh, I know it. Yeah, rarity. Exactly. And so Supply some of these demand. skins are, there's five of them that exist. And it's based on some random role that has a certain amount of rarity attached to it. Sure. And so they'll get them. I think the most expensive skin in Counter-Strike right now is twelve dollars or $13,000. Oh, no, dang. That is crazy. That's I mean, it's these, just like art. I mean, I'll give you that. Free to play, you know, free to play exists because they have cosmetic items in the game. With Counter-Strike, they just happen to attach actual value to it by making supply and demand a thing. And sure. Valve takes, you know, 30% of the cut of these sales of their the skins on the marketplace. 
So it's, there's real value here. I mean, I have a friend who's, who's opened 48 of the most rare items in the game. He's done nothing but profited from his playing the game of Counter-Strike. That is wild. Is crazy. Yeah. I wonder, uh, I wonder if people are going to start using skins in games like that to, uh, to, to play some of the tax games you play with art. <laughs> I, I have no idea, but it's certainly the next generation. <laughs> it's it's going to come down on people one way or another. There's been a lot of people who've called for like government intervention into Valve mm. because kids are basically betting on this stuff. Like the idea, like, cause yeah. you open a, a case and it just, it rolls and it's just a, uh, for $2 or whatever it is to open a, a slot case. Machine. You randomly get something. It's a slot machine and there's, you know, 15 year old kids doing this with their parents' credit cards. And all of a sudden their parents are like, why do I have $5,000 in charges to, to Valve? Like who is Valve? Skins, ma, skins. <laughs> and where did all my Adderall go? nice oh man Uh, russ you're one of the first guys i know that were really has been into games and stuff aren't didn't you actually do you do like uh twitch right i do yeah i'll stream on twitch every now and then it's mostly just for fun like we have i have a whole you know crew of guys that we play with and so every now and then some of us will be playing and some can't so we'll tune into each other's streams and so uh so yeah i'll stream on twitch uh, another one of my buddies, his name's TJ. He he goes by Lol Shark on Twitch. He's probably our biggest streamer. He he streams quite a bit of different things. But yeah, I I set it up and and tune it in on there. And you know, it's just fun to be able to have the stream going at times. It's funny. And Russ is really becomes, good. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. He's really Russ good. Russ is good at everything he does. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> so those, true. He's one of those people that you just yeah. Matter of fact, I'm feeling a little uh, intimidated. This is the group of uh, you know this Sevops crew here, man. You guys are all really good at what you do <laughs> but uh oh stop yeah. it that's flattering pete but all right what news yeah, you look got? at the mirror buddy. news <laughs> <laughs> um i saw something uh very 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 tech centric um and it'd be neat um if you guys know more about this uh or if not maybe we get somebody that does but uh, apparently Rockset and manga to be working together to make sequel and no sequel play nicer Ooh. um and so I read through the article, and I'm not going to lie, there was a good bit of it that was over my head because I'm not a DBA, and I, I have never worked on any of this stuff at scale, right? They're usually tangential conversations for me at best. But uh, it basically said, you know, that to sum it up quickly, it was saying that it, marrying these two lends itself to much faster data processing and correlation of real-time data to sort of like data lake data without needing ETL or, um, you know, data pipelines, so the extracts, transform, load. To, to go and run it through something more structured for processing. And um, I guess it's, it's basically that uh, NoSQL doesn't recognize and can't really deal with something like joins in, in a table so that you can't smash records together. And, sure. and I get just enough about that, but that's, that's pretty cool. It also seems like NoSQL and SQL have been around for a long time and they're just now sort of coming to the table to fix it is surprising to me. You guys have any thoughts on that? I think fixing is relative. Um, It's more so a, the need has started to arise more as we see applications change their behavior. So we're, we're seeing applications change, especially as we've, I don't know, horizontalized applications. So we start (laughs) sharding things to move them outward. Hey, watch your language. (laughs) This is a family show, family show. And and so I think that behavior is, is what is what actually makes us change that that back end portion because so many applications are running you know the stateful side of what they what they 
persist to the front end of their applications, what users see. They do that on the back end with these, you know, SQL, NoSQL, traditional databases they've run out, although NoSQL is a distributed application. So that, that portion of it is just, I think we're seeing the need for change of the application and it's forcing the back end to change as well, is really what it is. I have several projects going right now where all we're doing, the, the majority of the work is on the back end data management portion and less so on the front end of the application. Mm -hmm. Where's the data? Where is the data? Who manages the data? Nah, data is not important. There's there's storage products that help with managing data out there. Name two. Don't name two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I keep, I keep trying to unmute, but my brand new puppy is barking on the other side of the door. And I hope y'all can't hear that there. But uh, yeah, Russ, I think you're right on that in terms of the database structures and what they're designed for and all that kind of stuff. So. I think this is good news in the data management world. So it'll yeah. be interesting to dig into. Thanks for the heads up. Yeah, that was neat. Um, I got another one unless somebody wants to jump in. Um, a really, really cool one for me because I, I love the artificial intelligence headlines, right? Um, Microsoft apparently released a new software license for non-human office users. And it, it in, I think the, the name of the license itself basically Wait. sums it up. It's for unattended. It's an unattended license. Can so you can you reread the headline one more? <laughs> yes. I'm not even sure that was a headline. It was Russ something I gleaned I, from like, it, but it's literally they released a new license for non-human office users. I am uncomfortable with the notion of what we are discussing right now. <laughs> so we found Russ's button. It's like artificial intelligence. Okay, non-human users of things. Not okay. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> What was that? Was that another audio thing there, Pete? How dare you? No, oh, okay. I was like, what? Did we have somebody join our Zoom? I need to lock that down. Uh, I mean, the, I, and maybe there's more to this story because we're not letting Tyler continue, but I just, the whole premise of this bothers me. The licensing of, I'm assuming you're so, because like, look, SQL in a server, that's a non-human entity that you would license, but. I'm assuming that since we're stating that this is for licensing a non-human user, yeah. that it's the same viewpoint of an actual user that you are licensing. They're just quantifying it differently, which I, do, I, mean, I don't get. I don't understand. It is weird. I mean, we license things that are non-human already, like cores, sure. you know, and things, you know, for, for <laughs> servers. But it, it, the whole term non-human sounds weird. It definitely sounds like an opportunity for Microsoft to take more of my money. This is, this is a question I'm going to have answer now you, you realize is, this. no i this and coming. i don't know that the article actually got into that that much but i think it's probably a function of how an artificial intelligence can and will interface with office so unlike licensing nope. something else that's no, non don't like that, that. May, you know <laughs> speak to an api or something like that an ai could literally just go hack a, you know hack away at the keyboard virtual or otherwise and write a document in word in fact that they're almost certainly doing that back to the, you know, infinite monkeys type writers. Which stuff, right? we talked about yesterday, anything that they do create isn't yeah. legally copyrightable by the AI either. This is, Which this is messing with my mind. I think the next time they'll talk about, a, they don't have intellectual property. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. <laughs> they don't have the rights yeah. to the, would the people yeah. who made the AI own the intellectual property? Well, that was sort of the debate on the other side of the ruling, right? Which is mm. if, uh, it, there are there are situations where someone creates something or trains someone to produce intellectual property and the the ownership of that property is not the creator of the thing that did the thing right it it looks different but in this case uh they did, they 
will not attribute content creator rights to AIs. Discrimination. I be long. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then just, as soon as the first one starts talking about it that way and there'll be a lawsuit. shows some form of sentience, it's going to get really I don't like any of this. We need to move I, to I something just, else. The next time y'all are talking about <laughs> software licensing in a customer meeting and you're you're talking about cores or socket licensing, just call it non-human. The next time someone complains about the licensing model, I'm going to tell them, you have something else coming. Trust yeah, me. Right. Just <laughs> wait. You're not ready for this. Oh, that's great. Uh, it could yeah. always be worse. Oh, man. I, so I'm glad you're here today, Russ. There's more in the news. Uh, Epic Games says Fortnite has 350 million registered players, up from 250 million in March. Wow. Wait, what? Yeah. They gained 100 million users in a month. Whoa. And yeah. in April it's alone, insane. they logged 3.2 billion hours in the game. Wow. Yeah. Back to numbers that's... I can't wrap my head around. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, if you want to put that in perspective, some of the larger, more popular games out there just in the world, you know, and, and the total number of players, I don't, I don't know, but concurrent users I'll track fairly regularly. So like Counter-Strike and Dota, Counter-Strike has around a million concurrent players at its peak every 24 hours. That's Dota insane. used to be around that. These days now there may be six, 700,000, something like that, maybe a little bit less. But, you know, that's usually about a subset, maybe 10% of their player base is on at any given time. I would assume the same is probably true for Fortnite around the world. So assume that 35 million players might be playing at any given time concurrently at the same wow. time or more, depending on where their peaks are. So it's just crazy to see the scale of that compared to a long-standing, ex extremely successful title that is still growing in Counter-Strike. And then Fortnite's just like, yeah, I'm a dwarf that, so don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. So follow me on this then. What, what's the average age range of these players? Ooh, that's tough. I think there's a lot of assumption that a lot of people um, that play Fortnite are just younger kids. Don't get me wrong. Like my nephew, who's seven, I mean, he plays it. Um, but I think you have a very, very wide range of, of Fortnite yeah. players. In fact, this is the general rule of thumb is I would tell you this. If you have a game that you believe is geared for kids, like Fortnite has a sort of colorful cartoony scheme to it, so people say that is meant for kids. Just assume that you're probably right and a, a large amount of younger kids do play it. But, it. but also assume that all of the traditional game players all the way up to the age 60, 70, whatever, people who've played games their entire lives, assume they're playing it also. So it only increases your, your addressable market whenever you're able to bring in the younger crowd because the people who play games that are you know, our age, 30s, 40s, 50s, things like that, they, they're going to continue playing no matter what. So I think that, because I have a lot of friends, people who I work with um, that, have, that play Fortnite and didn't play shooters at all. Yeah. But they're, you know, in their, their late 30s and they're playing Fortnite yeah. every day. So they're like building. Yeah, so the average age range of an esports, you know, viewer is 17 to 35, right? Yeah. And a game player is much wider than that. I mean, the, the, the viewership of esports is a subset of the, the player base. So assume that you're looking at five years old to, you know, 80 years old with obviously the outliers being on each end of it. Um, and, you know, your average range is maybe 10 to 50. 
Yeah, you would assume that's, that this would be for teenagers only, but that's definitely not the case. I mean, heck, there was a time I thought My Little Pony was just for little girls, you know, until I heard the term brony. That stuff is deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. People could have seen Tyler's face just then. His eyes got wider. <laughs> that stuff is deep. Like, he's oh, weird, man. man. Deep. I, I don't really let my kids watch My Little Pony because um, they go down some paths right but right? i my daughter turned it on one time and i was just watching and i was like oh it's ponies and unicorns and they fly and stuff and then like some of the topics they got you're like nope 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 nope, nope. not ready for that no <laughs> <any> questions <laughs> so it was uh more advanced than a six-year-old put it that way yeah right so russ just I was blows my about, mind though yeah for sure anyway, sorry go ahead pete so, Russ, I was thinking about you when I saw this one because you definitely, uh, you know, bear a striking resemblance to our, our good buddy Zuckerberg. Uh, but uh, Facebook is now uh, going to be doing a content uh, oversight board. Had you heard that? I had not, ah. which is striking to me considering I do own and operate that company. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> what, what, is this, so. what is this oversight board going to be overseeing and who do I need to talk to? Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're actually going to, they, they unveiled that they're going to have 20 members of this oversight board that's going to review some of the, the more tougher content moderation decisions, you know, like what stays on and what goes off, mm. you know, and the, so like who we elect for president. <laughs> well, it's funny. You think like it's just a, a dopey social media platform, right? But man, they've got like major people from all over the world that are on this thing, like Nobel Prize winners and all wow. kinds of all kinds of people that are on this uh, this board to to decide what stays and what goes. <laughs> That's the most incredible. ridiculous thing about that is they picked an even number of people. They picked forty. <laughs> yeah. Pick forty one or thirty nine. It's not a democratic process. <laughs> yeah, it's great that you all said that stuff. Burnt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get. Yeah, I, get, I don't know. Do do we know more on that yet? Do they have to all agree that it goes? I don't think that you you can never have forty people that all agree on one thing. No, that's right, not yeah, that's not luck. possible consensus no, no, with that no, much no chance on the uh, covid front man uh, obviously lots of lots of crazy news i got super excited because i do have an iphone and i saw this article that talked about the the, the new apple face id because uh, uh let's see aaron you have an iphone right yes yeah the struggle is real man you go into the store you're wearing your mask and uh you know you flip your phone up to <laughs> and then you have to put your password in and stuff like that so I saw this article that said that. Oh, I, yeah, I don't have Face ID though. <laughs> I have an old iPhone. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Conversation yeah, over. Called out. <laughs> anyway, let's pretend I was cool and had a new iPhone. Go ahead, proceed. <laughs> He's so funny. He even rebuilds his uh, his iPhones as well as cars. This guy. No, but the idea is that when you do the flip phone and you've got your mask on, it's pretty frustrating, right? So uh, you got to put in your passcode. So I, I read this article that said that they were going to, you know, have a solution to this, but it's not really a solution. All they're really doing is bypassing the part, the time it takes to check for the mask and getting you straight to putting in the password. So I thought that was uh, probably the most uninspiring thing Apple has ever done. <laughs> it is slightly helpful though, right? I've seen a lot of people complain about that. This is so weird. I don't have these problems, right? So there's Face ID in Android, but forever you could just click down at the bottom and it would jump straight to your pin. It's just well, yeah. yeah, baked in. So oh, no, no. a little behind also the scenes. In. Also baked in with Apple. It's just that they want to do it now where it just bypasses that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. I missed that. Uh, yeah, is the huh. anti-Apple fanboy. So anytime anyone talks about iPhone, he's... anti He's, no, it's a good balance on the show. It's good. It's good. But, uh, it, it's pretty fair. I also never leave the house, so I, I wouldn't actually 
know what that experience requirement would be. So yeah. anyway, I know you guys know are that. haters. I, I, boy, and too bad Russ. I, where did Russ go, by the way? <laughs> he, he had to check out. Unfortunately, he, uh, he had a conflict and we have overrun his block. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll save my Apple rant for when he can hear so I can really get the, the juices flowing. <laughs> I don't know if we're both on. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. We will, we will dogpile you. <laughs> no, my, my criticism of Apple is and has always been that they, they do really cool things like from an innovation perspective, right? But they're very bad at dealing with extra ec- ecosystem players. Like one thing I like about Android is that it, it plays nice with pretty much every platform. That's always been their goal. And maybe that's because they're playing second fiddle. It could totally or, be. or are they really good at not dealing with extra ecosystem players? Well, specifically that one. That, that could be. That could be. But uh, things like um, iMessage, awesome. It sounds like for Apple users. Yeah. But Apple talking to any other platform, it's like, well, you're not an Apple user, so it's broken. But it, it doesn't matter if it's Google or if it's something else. It's like, no, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I do wish I had that kind of ability from my Windows laptop uh, to my wife's iPhone, right? There's sometimes yeah, like, like I don't want to have to pull my phone out to send her a quick message. Right. I'd love to yeah. just type it right over. Uh, and that's, so that's where a, I think Apple, Apple could have done that, right? Like they could yeah. have developed the messaging platform to be very open. Like Google Hangouts runs on everything. It's obviously not as used, right? But it would, and it integrates directly with, uh, you know, Google's messaging platform on the phones as well. So you can run that through Gmail on your Mac too. There is no Mac equivalent or Apple equivalent to being able to be that easy and open and accessible across all of those platforms. That's, yeah, that's no, I, I agree with that. And, and, but my, so in that regard, I agree. I think that's more of a financial decision, you know, like Could they're be. trying to get people. Whereas some of the other decisions they make around architecture and not, and you know, like versus PC, I think there's room for both. I'm, I'm a Windows oh, sure. guy. Heck, I used to work for a Microsoft company. So yeah, I'm obviously I, I use a lot of Microsoft, but I, I value my Mac as well for, for mm-hmm. a lot of things. And, I, and I'm so glad that it's not just Windows. You know, because there's a there's a time oh, and place too. for Windows, and I yeah. love my Mac as well. Like there's there's a time and place for everything. So I am, uh, and I'm glad that they build them. I'm glad that they're more expensive. I'm glad <laughs> that they. I'm glad that all the parts work, and I don't have to worry sure. about it. I'm glad that some joker can't release some bad graphics card that the driver sucks and is going to mess up my whole machine because that's just that's a good not going to happen too, yeah. in my Mac. No, no, it, 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 that's thing. Like there, there are lots of upsides. Again, my, my biggest knock and the reason I will never probably go back to that ecosystem is that it's just not broadly accessible, right? So there are always going to be folks that are using Android, using uh, Windows, and it's just that much harder to use the things you get used to on an iPhone outside of iPhone and Mac. So. <laughs> What in the world? Is Why that? do you even have was that, that a, at your was that a commercial back in the day or something? Uh, yeah, there was an old there was an old video, uh, and, and I'll tell you, there was an old video about this. Uh, I love my Mac. It was really funny, and it was really really old. But it, I, I found that a long time ago. It was kind of funny. We're doing an full K-pop. We're doing a. <laughs> This week's virtually speaking podcast, actually, we, we we have an episode called Mac in the Enterprise. So it's uh, okay. That'll be cool. That'll be a fun one to catch. Yeah, that'll be interesting. What else you got, man? What What do you want to talk about? 
Do you want to talk about uh, audio equipment or do you want to keep going with news? Uh, yeah. Hey, well, let's, let's talk about your mic. I, I do have several sure. other articles, but you know, I, I do want to, yeah, we'll I switch gears for a just a second. Talk. I do. Uh, I noticed that you got the, uh, what is that? The SM seven B. Correct. Yeah. That is a, that is a beautiful mic used by Michael Jackson and Metallica, by the way. I mean, that Joe is Rogan, not a, that is not a shabby microphone. As a matter of fact, if you do any microphone research, you'll find a lot of comparisons between that and the Heil PR40 that we all use. Yeah. And they're both wait, wait, really good. Who's we all? You, you basically just like painted me versus everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, we meaning, uh, I guess. You our, mean you and John. <laughs> me, John, Pete Keeler, and all of the other uh, tech guys that are at VMware mainly. Sure, uh, and, okay. and they all use it because they asked me. <laughs> Uh, which mic I was using, and 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 heck, I I got my information from Glenn Sizemore back in the day. So yeah, we, we we've been passing on the PR40 for a while. It's 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 a it's an old faithful for sure. I mean, it, it works great. They both the SMB7 and the uh, or sorry SM7B and the Heil PR40 both have good compression. They're both warm sounding mics. Uh, yours has a little bit more. I think it's it needs a little bit more uh, help from like a cloud lifter to get some of the uh, some of the gain in, but but it's a fantastic mic. So I'm I, I'm definitely not hating. I think you gotta you you definitely pick one of one of my two favorite mics. I'll say that. Yeah, uh, that that's been the problem I've had so far. Honestly, is uh, making it loud enough. I noticed in the last episode, yeah. I feel like I got to get right up on the mic, um, and I got to be um, just just loud with my voice for it to come yeah. through, for it to compare Like, especially this last episode was just me and Tyler, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to get better with my audio editing afterwards to kind of balance some of that stuff out. But I feel like I've got to have my gain way up and I got to be right up in the mic. So, so make sure you, you do you have a cloud lifter, by the way? I do. Yeah. Okay. It runs to a cloud lifter. Otherwise you probably wouldn't even hear me. And then it run, runs yeah. to a, a focus, right? Scarlet, uh, that's okay. driving the 48 volts. The other so trick I can get to where people... I need to be. The other trick, and I only know this because every time we do a podcast, I have to talk to the guests and they run through this problem, but check your Zoom settings. If you're on a Zoom call, uh, sometimes that brings the mic volume down. So you need to check your mic settings on Zoom as well because it might be bringing you down. Lots of layers there. I I have problems with my Bluetooth connection all the time, um, but it's just because I use multiple devices, obviously. So I've got my phone, I've got my laptop, work laptop i've got yeah. my home pc and when i'm sitting at my desk sometimes i need to switch between them what i have found is if the two pcs want to use the bluetooth connection it just breaks so one will take control and then the other one has to forget it and bring yep. it back in it's like the os has some sort of prioritization for the most part between the laptop and the phone it's not a problem until it is, which is where, for some reason, some device on the laptop, it like, oh, there's a Windows notification sound, and I didn't make an adjustment somewhere. And so it dings. It'll put a call on full hold and, like, just ruin all of the Bluetooth stuff. And, and it's, it's, a, it's so frustrating when the oh, yeah. handoffs don't work the way they're supposed to. And it's amazing when they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I will fight that fight. Yeah, I've got the input for you. Is, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I've got the input volume all the way up. Uh, it doesn't have automatically adjusts and all that kind of good. stuff. So we'll, we'll see how this works out. What were you going to say? Well you, uh, well, you do sound good, by the way. I can hear you Yeah, well. You're not low. Well, so. thank you, Pete. You sound <laughs> great as well. The other question I had is, I, I, for someone who actually edits a podcast every week, how the heck are you doing these daily? That would kill me. Like the, the level of effort. very efficient. 
The level yeah, of effort so, it takes for me to get one a week out is, is enough. So that's a great question. Uh, typically what I do is, so we will have about five minutes of discussion like we did today, right before we start. Right. And then I'm, you know, say, Hey, okay, cut it out. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to do it now. Right. So I just go in there and I, I go right to that timestamp and I just cut out everything ahead of it. And then I go to the end and I make sure the end is clean. And typically that's it. I just upload that. Right. I can walk through the whole process, but so the file that zoom outputs is an M4A, I think, and I got to convert it to wave. Right. So I do that. I drop it into audacity. I cut out the first five minutes and I make sure the end ends clean. And it's not like a, you know, just kind of weird, awkward goodbye. I just kind of cut off whatever's at the end. Uh, let's see what after that. Okay. And then I export the audacity file and upload it to anchor FM and that's it. And I drop in your intro and then the little outro, uh, you know, music. That's it, huh? It usually takes me probably about 10 to 12 minutes, honestly. Wow. Now it, when we, so there was a little thing here earlier where you said, uh, you asked me a question about the type of phone I had and I tried to answer, but I was on mute. So I came back and I said something. Now I, I will sometimes make a little note of that timestamp and then I can go right to that and just cut it out. Ah, okay. And that's it. Okay. That's interesting. That's good. So, so therefore you've got a system down. So that's part of it. But then the other part is getting guests all the time, coming up with topics, doing show research. I mean, it's not, it's not just hitting record and then uploading. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of well, prep so, to make a show. Yeah. No, that's a great question too, man. So yeah. the content is already there. Um, and, and you're getting into the whole, like how this show got created, right? <laughs> um, Tyler and Russ and I talk a lot all the time anyway. Yeah. Right. We, we've and, got a constant telegram thread where we're just, getting at each other over being ridiculous to each other really is what it yeah, is. Yeah. We, do, um, we get all fiery, harassing, <laughs> um, inflammatory, all kinds of stuff. Anyway. Um, yeah, I was about to go down a tangent on that, but anyway, yeah, well on that, on, that, tangent, on yeah. that tangent, you guys are very fiery. Here's one of my favorite clips. Captain <laughs> Beeson! Oh, <laughs> we scream a lot. Like a Ziploc. I don't know why, but it's fun. <laughs> why did I say like a Ziploc? I don't even know what that means. You, you, we he were, was saying yeah. space savings and you said like a Ziploc. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Weird. Okay. Oh, uh, so we toned it down. So the, the whole concept is let's tone it down a little bit, right? Um, yeah. And we just picked, you know, 30 minutes right at the beginning of the day. There's no real prep, right? And the whole idea is that we just kind of get together as if we were together anyway. And talking about what we saw in the tech uh, news yeah, articles tech that yeah. morning. It, so there's no content a little bit of prep, either. but, you know, it's yeah, I mean, I'll, maybe I'll like ahead. for me, I, I might read some of those headlines for 15, 20, 30 minutes, you know, the day before, because obviously everything after the show becomes potential show yeah. news for the next day. And then uh, roughly, you know, we usually record at eight o'clock um, at 730. I try to just kind of sit down and click through some stuff and I've got all my sources. That's why I was hating on reader being shut down. I got to see if I can get Feedly to play nice with this, but, but I do collect it as I go through it. I make a couple of notes, stuff like that. But um, it, yeah, there's the content it's great because the world just produces it right we cannot keep up with right. how many tech headlines there are and then really anything that interests us because it, it just ties back to technology in most cases at this point regardless but then it's just fun to talk about it yeah it's a gossip show really is all it is it's just a tech gossip show so we'll see something so after this after i publish this we go through the rest of thursday some news might break and i'll just go and drop it in the one note we have a shared yeah. one note that we both write into Okay. 
and, and that's it, right? And then so there's always topics there we can jump to, but content I, just I think creates the, itself. The content side and and just being able to sit down and talk about it, like that's that's us. Like I just like the sound of my own voice, so this is this is easy. <laughs> but no, the um, if it wasn't for Aaron's extreme efficiency with editing, I don't think we could do anything daily. But he's got a system that works, and and luckily, you know, he can hit it fast and yeah. likes doing it. Well, I like it. I like what you guys are doing. It's good stuff. Glad you're enjoying it. Hope everybody else is too. Well, on that note, we are way over time for this show. <laughs> I would love to sit here and talk with you all day, Pete, but uh, it's tech breakfast, not tech brunch. Uh, so we're gonna that's true. We're gonna cut it off there, man. What else? What else do you want to plug other than once again, virtually speaking podcast? Yeah, we're on uh, vspeakingpodcast.com. We're on all of the uh, podcast outlets, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, let's see, you know, yeah, that, that's probably it. Honestly, I, you know, we're, you know, I'm, I, I'm still doing my thing at VMware. I love it. I, you know, I'm, I'm missing everybody The the conference season is closed, but Hey, uh, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying seeing everybody on the Twitters and, uh, I'm at V Pedro arrow on Twitter. So feel free to DM me anytime. And that's it, man. Pete knows a lot about a lot. <laughs> um, and that brings today's tech breakfast to a close, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, if you've got news we missed, general feedback and urge to join us on the show, please, please reach out, subscribe, give us that feedback. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And Pete, I love anytime you. you want to come back on, man, you're welcome. Love it. Awesome. Bye, Pete. Thanks. Yeah, man. See ya. Yeah.